saved a wretch like me. I hope he saved you too. Because we're all born in this world wretches. Amen. No, born, no one's born in this world saved. We're all born sinners. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Mark again this morning. Mark chapter 10. As we finish up this chapter of the, of the book of Mark, we've been going verse by verse through the book of Mark last almost over a year now. But Mark chapter 10 this morning in verse 46, starting in verse 46. The title of the message this, this morning is, The Man That Was Blind But Was Not Dumb. The Man That Was Blind But Was Not Dumb. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. They came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, the Son of God, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried out a more, a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort, arise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Gracious Father, we just thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you just for the privilege of knowing you and having a relationship with you. The greatest decision anyone can ever make is placing their faith faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, it's so precious to us. I pray, Lord, today that you would guide us and direct us through your word and through your spirit. Help us, Lord Jesus, to know you more. I pray again, if there's one in this room who doesn't know you, dear Father, that you would draw that person to yourself before it's too late. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is now on his way to Jerusalem. I mentioned this last week. He's coming to his final hour. A time of darkness, time of despair, a time of pain, time of suffering. A time where the religious leaders of Israel would reject him. And he'd be given over to the Roman Empire and be crucified. His hour of suffering, the hour which he came for, is coming. Jesus is getting ready to prepare himself for doing some of the, one of the greatest acts in the history of the, of the whole world, not to live for himself, but to die for everyone. Jesus, to the world, to the most of the world, is a failure. 33 years of life, and he's killed, he's, he's destroyed, his influence is gone. Oh, dear friend, he wasn't a failure. He was the greatest success in the history of the world because he did exactly what the Father told him to do. He came not to live. He came to die. Now he's on that road, that Jericho road. He's on a road, road of, of, of suffering and difficulty and, and sadness. He's on a road re, re, ultimately heading towards Jerusalem. Jericho was loaded, located approximately about 15 miles northeast from Jerusalem and about five miles west from the Jordan River. The, this town was initially divided into two towns. The old town, which of course we know about from our history, the book of Joshua, 
We know about the, the story of Jericho from Joshua and, and the, 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 all that happened in that conquest of, of, of Jericho. That was the old ruins, but there was another town not too far from there that was a flourishing city. It was a beautiful city, and everything I read about that city, was, it reminds me a lot of, of Florida, the flowers, the growth, the springs, especially in this part of the state, the springs, all that goes on there was a flourishing city, a busy area. area. So Jesus, on his way on the Jericho Road, is heading towards Jerusalem. This road that he would pass through was a, a desolate, mountainous country road. It was notoriously unsafe for travel. But the presence of this blind beggar would be common, as oftentimes blind beggars would be on this road because it was so well-traveled. This passage marks a real milestone in Jesus' ministry. This will be one of the last healings, one of the last miracles that Jesus would perform in the book of Mark. What can we learn about this blind man and his meeting with Jesus? First of all, this morning, we see the helplessness of Bartimaeus in verse 46. The helplessness of Bartimaeus. It says in verse 46, they came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho with the disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. He had a life of blindness. Physical blindness was very common in the ancient world. Now, dear friend, if it wasn't for my contacts this morning, I'd be blind too. If it wasn't for my glasses, for some of you, you couldn't have, you couldn't have made it to church this morning. You wouldn't have, wouldn't have drive down that road without, without your contacts or with your glasses. So imagine a world without glasses or contacts. We would be in a world of hurt, hope, hurt wouldn't we? We'd be in trouble. There was no contacts. There was no glasses. There was no special way. There was no, I'm sure they had uh, things and potions and, 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 tr- and ways of trying to fix people who had this, but there was nothing like we have today in the technology of the day. So people being blind in that day, it was seen by the Jewish leaders actually as a curse. They thought if you were blind, you were cursed by God because you've done something wrong. Well, that wasn't so. Blindness often happened because of a birth defect. Blindness often happened because of disease. Blindness happened because of sickness. It was common, common as a common cold. Sin is common in, our, in that society and, co- and common in this society, isn't it? Sin is everywhere you go. You can't, get, you can't go anywhere where there's sin. Somebody was on social media was saying today that, or I was reading this morning, her, her grandmother's uh, CD was stolen out of her car, and it showed a picture of some person in a jumpsuit going into their car and stealing the CD. And, she, and the person said, what has happened to this world? Why can't it be good? It can't be good because of sin. There's no, there's no way for this world to be sin. When Adam sinned, when he chose to sin, dear friend, he cast the world into utter despair because man has been separated from fellowship with God ever since Adam. We are like him. We're Men are like him. We're spiritually blind. We're groping around in the darkness. We're trying to find something that will satisfy, but there's nothing on this world that will satisfy. Spiritual sickness comes from sin as well. Today's problems are not because primarily of race. It's not because of government or education or money. Man's primary problem is sin. The primary problem we have as people is sin. 
Man's the sin. Man's sin is not a disease. <laughs> it's not a sickness. If it's, you and I have probably all caught a cold or something this past year. It's not a disease because sometimes you catch a disease. You didn't mean to. You didn't try to. I mean, you can wear a mask and get shot, but you still get it. Sin is not a disease. Sin is a decision. It's a choice. It's a choice. When you sin, you choose it. You decide it. Bartimaeus was blind physically and spiritually. We see a life of blindness, but a life of begging because there was so much blindness, because there was so much poverty. There was, it was common in Israel for people to beg. Common for people to sit on the side of the road, the place where people would walk and travel and, and go through. They, they'd be on the side of the road. They would beg. They would plead just for a little bit, just a little money, a little, little something, a little substance, some food, some coin, some help. They would, be, they, would, they would beg for food. Sin only blinds us. It causes us to beg, to long for that which we cannot feel ourselves. Remember the woman at the well in John 4 wanted water from the well, but that water would not satisfy her, but only temporarily. Jesus said in John 4, 14, Whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give to him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing into everlasting life. Oh, dear friend, you drink water from a spigot. It won't be long, especially in this time of year. You'll be wanting something else to drink. But if you drink of Christ, you'll never want anything else. Person, the persons in John chapter 6 who wanted more bread. Like Baptists, man, we got to have something to eat every couple hours. In John chapter 6, verse 51, Jesus said, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Temporary food will only do you so, so much, but you... But if you, if you feast upon Christ, it will satisfy your soul. What are you longing for this morning? What do you have to have? I hope and pray you've, you've been satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The helplessness of Bartimaeus. You can hurt, you can hunt, you can peck, you can beg, you can plead. But there's nothing that will satisfy like knowing Jesus Christ. Nothing that will satisfy. We see his helplessness. But number, in verse 47, we see his heralding. You see the fact that he was, he was focused. Because he was blind, his other features were more enhanced. His hearing was more enhanced. We see his concentration. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus could not see, but thank God he could hear. His life depended on the fact that he could hear. He, he could hear those footsteps going down the way, down the path, down the road, and he would beg. But this time something was different. Different. It wasn't just a few footsteps. It was a lot of footsteps. And it wasn't just footsteps. It was, it was talking. It was crying. It was a throng of people. As Jesus come into Jericho, the people had heard about Jesus, and they wanted to hear from him. They wanted to talk to him. They wanted to be healed by him. And he hears of Jesus of Nazareth. We see his concentration that he hears, but he begins to cry out. It wasn't just good enough for him to hear about Jesus. He wanted a little bit more. I hope, dear friend, you don't just come to say, I want to hear about Jesus. I hope you know him. I hope you want to know more about him. I love that song, more and more about Jesus, more and more about Jesus. Do you want to know more about Jesus? If you want more of him, he will show more to you. He will show more to you. 
He began to cry out. This word cry out actually means to shout. It means to scream. This man was in a desperate situation. He was hapless, hopeless, and helpless. He couldn't survive without Christ. Oh, physically, maybe just a little bit more. He could sustain himself, but without Christ, he knew he would die spiritually. We ought to cry out to God. Psalm 22, verse 5, they cried unto him, and they were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. Psalm 34, verse 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. If you ever cry out to God, if you ever cry out to God in your confusion, if you ever cry out to God in pain, if you ever cry out to God in your suffering, dear friends, there will be times in your life where you will not understand There'll be, under, there'll be times in life where you can't figure it out. There'll be times in your life where things won't make sense. And you'll have to cry out to God like David did. Why? Even Jesus on the Christ, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You cry out. You cry out. I don't know. I just, I don't say anything. I'm just quiet. I'm still. I want anybody to know. No, dear friend, cry out. God wants you to cry out like a little child, you know. When it's quiet in the house and you got little ones, it's really a good, a really good thing or a really bad thing. You start to look around. Oh, it's too quiet in here. I'm going to go in there and check on what's going on. <laughs> I hear a little chattering. It's like, okay, they're still alive. Amen. Amen. They're still alive. Oh, dear friend, every day we ought to cry out to God, hear my prayer. Oh, Lord, I need thee. Realize, you see, the problem is we don't realize how desperate we are. We're desperate. Life without God is no life. We need him in our life. We see his cry. We see his claim. Have mercy on me. He wanted mercy. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, but mercy is not getting the punishment we do deserve. Thank God for his grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, to save a wretch like me. But thank God for his mercy. Dear friend, today, Marty Moon deserves hell. Everyone in this room, everyone in the world deserves hell. That's what we deserve because we've transgressed We've sinned against God. We failed. But thank God he showed us mercy. Thank God he showed us mercy. Psalm 4 verse 1, hear me when I call. Oh my God of righteousness, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Bartimaeus had the right attitude when he went to, the, to, the, to this person. He had the right attitude. He went to the right person. James and John, as we looked at the passage before, went to Jesus wanting something. They, th they felt like they deserved something. They felt like they had to have something. They felt like they were owed something because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. We looked at that last week. Bartimaeus came to Jesus humble, the right person and the right attitude. Dear friend, you don't come to Jesus Tell him something, tell him him because you're a Christian, he, he owes you anything. Or, or you deserve something. No, dear friend, we come as beggars. Oh, God, please. I desire, I humbly beseech thee, I need this, please. 
What's your attitude towards God? Oh, I've done all this stuff for Jesus. Dear friend, we have, compared to what Christ has done for us, we've done nothing. <laughs> I'm just a drop in the bucket is what, I, what we, any of us can do compared to all that he's done for us. Kids today think, oh, man, you know, you, uh, you owe us something. Dear friend, if it wasn't for your parents, you wouldn't be here. Don't, have the, don't ever have the entitlement attitude the, that I'm owed this because I'm a citizen or I'm owed this because I'm, I'm a child. No, dear friend, have an attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness. Have a right attitude about life, and it will get you far in this life. But if you have the attitude of people owe me something or I, I deserve something, oh, dear friend, you'll, you'll fail your life. Attitude is everything. Attitude more than aptitude will determine your altitude in life. How was your attitude? He went to the right person, and he, ha- and he had the right attitude. He was beseeching him. He was crying out to recognize his helplessness, his heralding. But the hushing, look at verse 48. How did the crowd, how did the crowd respond to that? <laughs> in verse 48, many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried out, the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. We see his charge. When the world says, shut up, speak up. When the world says, clam up, call out. When the world says, silence, shout it. Don't let the world silence you. So the world's come out the closet. So the world's gone cuckoo and crazy. And some, for some reason, a lot of Christians just say, well, man, I'm just going to be quiet. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to offend anybody. Dear brother, brother, sister in Christ, tell the truth. Preach the word. Speak the truth. If we don't speak up, if we don't, if we don't shout out the truth, this country, this world is going to be taken away from us. So many people have withdrawn because they're afraid to offend anybody. Dear friend, if you're breathing, you're going to offend somebody. Somebody said, oh, Pastor Marty, you're wearing a gator tie today. Well, I said, it could be Clemson. It could be Auburn. You just don't know. But I don't want to offend you. It is what it is. <laughs> Dear friend, just speak the truth. Yes, yeah, speak it in love, but speak the truth. Speak the truth. We see his charge. We see his commitment. He crowds the more a great deal. He didn't let the, he didn't let the crowd silence him. And dear friend, don't let your crowd silence you. Oh, <laughs> the world, the flesh, and the devil will try to stop you. The world will say, oh, you can be just a little religious, but don't get fanatical. Don't get fanatical. You, you go to church how many times a week? You actually give some of your money to them, to the church? You actually, you're fanatical? Well, they'll, man. If you speak up about your Christianity, they will, si- they will try to silence you. They will try to cancel you. They can cancel me all I want. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep speaking until Jesus Christ takes me home or puts me in the hospital. And even in the hospital, if I can move, if I can wiggle, I'm going to try to tell them about Jesus. Your flesh, will say, your flesh will say, don't speak up. Don't stand up for Christ. You, you got a bad back. Don't you know you can't go out and do that? you got a bruised toe. You're too tired. You've done too much already. You give, you give a little. You, you, give, you go to church a little. Don't do too much. 
The devil will whisper in your ear, you failed him how many times? Do you remember what you did on that day, on that time? Yeah, I remember. Do you remember what you said? Do you remember how you denied him? You're a fake. You're a fraud. You're no friend of God. Bartimaeus didn't focus on what people said. He didn't listen to his flesh. He didn't listen to the world. He didn't listen to the devil. He cried out the more. He cried out the more. Christians, if there's ever a time to stand up for Jesus, it's time now. It's time now. That's why I say to you, you might want to vote. That's why I want to say to you, you might want to speak out about what you believe. You might want to share with folks what is worse. The truth is, else we lose it all. Where'd that start? It starts with a personal relationship with God yourself. And then it goes to your family. Then it goes to your workplace. Then it goes to community. Let us not be called out disciples with our heads in the sand, just hoping for Jesus to come now. No, let's be salt and light in this place which we live to the great for the grace of God. How do we do that? By faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We see his helplessness, his heralding, the hushing, but the heeding. The heeding. Verse 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man. The heeding of a Bartimaeus. The crowd said, be quiet, but Christ, the Messiah, called him closer. Oh, dear friend, listen to that still, small voice. Your flesh says, don't do it. Don't do it. I remember when I was at the Wilds Christian Camp, evangelist Jerry Savinsky was preaching on giving your life to Christ. I'd been saved just a few months. He was talking about giving your life, surrendering your life. The Spirit of God was saying to me, go, give your life to Christ, commit to him, give yourself to him. But my flesh said, what will people think? really don't have to do that my flesh was screaming at me don't get up it's a long way to the very front that preacher's asking to get up and go all the way to the front I was scared I was afraid I didn't want to do it but thank God that still small voice said go and dear friend if I didn't obey God today I wouldn't be behind this pulpit right now the decisions you make right now will echo through all eternity. The decisions you make right now, even today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, is calling you, is encouraging you to do something that you know you should do for Christ. Do it! Do it. But a master demanded his presence. We ought to seek him while he's found. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Abraham believed God and he counted him for righteousness. <laughs> Moses put his foot, his toe in the Red Sea, and he saw God divide it. David went to face a giant with five smooth stones and a sling and slayed the, the giant Goliath. A lot of people say, well, if I see the miracle, then I do it. No, dear friend, until you believe, you will never see. It starts with belief. And then God. See, God is a reactor to your faith. Oh, there's been many a time in my Christian life where I thought to myself, now if I give this tithe or if I do this, I don't know how I'm going to survive. But you do it in faith and see what God does. See what God does. You say, well, I don't ever see, what, I don't ever see God do anything. Do you know why you don't see God ever, don't do, do, ever do everything? Because you don't act in faith and allow him to work. He's a reactor to your faith. 
He wants to see you step out by faith. He doesn't want you to try to figure it out. He doesn't want you to try to manipulate it. He doesn't want you to try to understand it. He just says, believe in me and do it. How's your faith in Christ today? What's holding you back? Your fear? What somebody would say about you? The fear of man, the Bible says, bringeth a snare. Oh, dear, man, don't be afraid. May, you, may, your, may your faith, like Daniel, be, he's getting ready to throw it, be thrown into the lion's den. What does he do? They come to him, oh, Daniel, you don't pray. What does Daniel do? He prays. Just like he's done before. He didn't stop doing something because he'd already been doing it. He was bold as a lion because he chose to do right. May God give us as Christians holy boldness to do right in the face of adversity. That's what this blind Bartimaeus did. The master demanded his presence. The men, the disciples, directed a path, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, arise. He calls thee, dear friend, when God calls you, go. When God calls you, go. I'm praying God calls some of these young men to serve him with his life. Maybe you say, as a preacher, as a missionary, as something to say, whatever God you want me to do in my life, I will do it. Be available for God. Are you doing, dear friend, whatever God wants you to do in your life? Or do you make stipulations for God? Now, God, if you'll meet this need, this need, this need, and this need, then I might do what you want me to do. No, God doesn't work like that. You just obey him, and he'll take care of everything else. He'll give you the very desires of your heart. If you in faith just trust him, just trust him. We see the helplessness of Bartimaeus, the herding of Bartimaeus, the hushing, the heeding. But verse 51, the honesty. Christ asked, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? <laughs> oh, imagine Jesus coming to you today. What can I do for you? Remember when he did that to Solomon? When God came to Solomon? In the middle of the night, Lord, what, what can I do for you, Solomon? What can I answer your prayer? What would you think? My new Harley Davidson would be good about right now. A new home, more stuff, more things, more golf clubs, another boat, more property, more things. Bartimaeus didn't want more stuff. Bartimaeus didn't want a better stature. Bartimaeus didn't need better security. Bartimaeus needed one thing. He needed sight. You say, I, mean, I have lots of needs. No, dear friend, your, your greatest need is Christ. Because when you have life in Christ, you have everything. I quote it often, I quote it again. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Without Christ, you have nothing. With Christ, you have everything. With Christ, you have it all. You don't realize, we don't realize what we have in Christ. We don't realize what we have. His asking was simple. His answer was sure. Lord, that I might receive my sight. All he wanted to do was see. All we need to do, friend, is spiritually see. See, that's the beginning of a journey that never ends. Because we who know Christ will never die. You say, preacher, we'll never die? Oh, his, his heart might quit beating. These lungs might quit breathing. This head might quit shaking. This body may quit moving, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I will never die. <laughs> and not only that, I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to have a new life. I'm actually going to have hair again. I quit, I quit buying Rogaine. It's just no point. There's no point in buying Rogaine. God's going to give me new hair. 
new life. He's going to give you that. What's it going to be like? It's going to be like Christ's glorious body. Perfect. Perfect. No more diet pills. Amen. No more counting calories or carbs. No more dentists, praise Jesus. No more doctor visits. No more health care plans. Oh, God. No, we're going to be perfect. He was a blind man, but now he could see. We see his helplessness, his heralding, his hushing, his heeding, his honesty, but finally, his healing. He said, what did Jesus reply? Go thy way. Thy faith had made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And his followers. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. What was so spectacular about this healing? It was instant. It didn't happen over a, over a long, over quite a, a distance of time or span of time. The, the second he believed, the second he was healed. It was immediate. It was complete. It wasn't a partial healing. It was a complete healing. It was evident. He went from having to beg and not see, to grope around, to be able to open his eyes and see. And fourth, it was permanent. He didn't need to get it fixed again. Every couple of years, I got to go back to the doctor and say, okay, doctor, do it again. <laughs> I got to go do it again. My eyes are not what they used to be. I'm going to go, go do it again. No, dear friend, when he did it, it was done. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is instant. Salvation is complete. He didn't just save a little bit of me. Thank God he didn't just save my feet, my hands, and my head. No, he saved me all. He saved my soul. Thank God he saved me all. He saved me complete. Thank God it's evident. Oh, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I should be, but by the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. It's evident and it's permanent. Nothing can take away my salvation. Not Anything. Can anything separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Not problems, not persecution, not the IRS, not the government. Doesn't matter how much you have or how much you don't have. Doesn't matter if you're on this side of the road or that side of the road or this side of the track or that side of the track. Nothing can take away your salvation. It is permanent. He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Dear friends, today, you either have life in Christ or you do not. There is no purgatory. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There's no halfway place that you go to hopefully the, the people, your, your folks behind will pray you out of, or if you give a few shekels to the Pope, he'll help you pray again. There's no, there's no halfway, folks. Today, when you die, you'll be in heaven or you will be in hell. What's the, what will be the determining factor? What you did with Jesus. You see, all of us in our life, we're like that blind Bartimaeus. People hear about it. Hear, we hear about Jesus. And he passes by the life of the, the road of our life. And at that moment, or in those moments, because he came by several times before I was saved. Several times I, stood, I, I sat out in a, in, a, in a church congregation like you do this morning, and I heard about Jesus. I heard about his love. I heard about his grace. I heard about his mercy. I heard about Bartimaeus. I heard about Jonah. I heard about David. I heard about Jeremiah. I heard about Isaiah. I heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it to the place I was inoculated against the truth. When they give you a vaccine, they give you a little bit of the sickness that you have. See, I just believed in Jesus, heard about Jesus, heard about Jesus, heard about Jesus. 
But thank God on April the 15th, 1989, the guy didn't come to me and said, God loves you. I knew God loved me, but the fact I didn't realize the fact that he would send Marty Moon to hell. Marty Moon? He would send me to hell? Yeah. The preacher said, you're going to stand before the white throne judgment. There's going to be a, a book called the book of life. If your name's not in the book of life, he will cast you in, into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And Marty Moon saw me being cast in the lake of fire. And I didn't want to go to I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't know a whole lot about this book. But I knew one thing. I didn't want to go to hell. And I know Jesus Christ loved me. He died for my sins so I could have everlasting life. Christ comes by the road of our life, every one of us. The question, question is, what will we do with Jesus? Will we cry out, Lord, save me. I'm, in, I'm blind. I can't see. I can't hear. I don't know you. Will you cry out to him to save you? Or will you sit there in your quietness and say, not today. Not today. Will you stay blind in your sin? So many people in this country, especially in the South, are blind. They've heard about Jesus. They know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus because they've never by faith cried out to Christ to save them. Dear friend, God wants to save you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. His will is that everyone be saved. You say, even me? Yeah, even me? With all you've done, with your doubts, with your fears? With your foibles and failures, yes, he wants to save you. Do you want to be saved today? Maybe you're saved, but you're still struggling with sin in your life. You're still struggling with, with, with problems and pains and sufferings and maybe habits and, and, and sins that you're still struggling with. Would you, would you cry out to Christ to help you? Maybe you're struggling with bitterness this morning or unforgiveness. Or hurt someone said something to you because you, you tried to speak up for Christ. I know Christians who used to have great joy, great liberty, great love for Christ. But a, rel a family member or someone said something to them and embarrassed them or hurt their feelings. And they've been quiet for Christ for years. Yes, you can say one word and those, those words can hurt. They go down to the innermost parts of our belly. Will you choose to forgive? Will you choose to call out to Christ, to help you wherever you are this morning. As I was thinking about this, this passage of scripture about Bartimaeus being saved, I had to think about a guy by the name of Lester Roloff. How many of you heard of Lester Roloff? A great evangelist, great preacher, 16 years of old, from Texas, brother. The cotton fields of Texas, called, saved at 16, called to preach at 18. The great minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, He'd have that radio station, the family altar. And when, he, when, you, when you turn on the family altar, you would hear that dear brother sing. One sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind. The light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bid his darkness flee. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom 
It fills the life with glory, for all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Old Brother Roll, I'll see heaven today. Can't wait to be up there with him. But so many other saints have gone before. Oh, I was blind. How about you? I was a wretch. How about you? I'm so grateful for my salvation that I can see. That I can see. Oh, if I can only receive my sight. You can. You can see. You can see. You can see. Oh, Father, thank you, God, for the sight that we have in Christ Jesus. The spiritual sight to know him, to live for him. Oh, dear Father, thank you for the salvation. We're so rich and free. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But God commanded his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, in the midst of our sin, Christ died for us. Oh, dear friend, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I don't know, I don't know about salvation. I don't know, I'm not sure about it. Dear friend, you can be saved today. You don't have to walk out of this doubting or being unsure of it or afraid of it. You can be saved today. You can have spiritual sight. Let's stand to our feet as the piano plays this morning. You say, preacher, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I'm not sure about my salvation. If I was to die today, I fear I might go to hell. I don't know, but I fear I might go to hell. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all? I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. But I want to be. I want to be sure about my salvation. I don't want to doubt it. I want to... I don't want to think. I want to wonder. I want to know. Would you raise your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I want to to know that I'm saved. I want to be sure that I'm saved. Is that you today? Are you struggling with some sin, dear friend? You're living in darkness. Oh, you're saved, but you're struggling with the darkness. You're struggling with doubt. You're struggling with bitterness. You're struggling with suffering because of sin in your life. Would you cry out? Maybe just come to this altar, recognizing your need. Bartimaeus had to recognize his need and cry out before he was changed. How about you today? Do you see your need and your pain with your problem, with your doubt, with your discouragement, with your depression? Would you cry out to God, I need you today? Are you desperate today? Are you desperate? Bartimaeus was helpless, hopeless, and happy. Cry out to him to help you today.